Now that the offseason is winding down, what could the Indiana Pacers rotation look like this year? This was actually a very hard exercise. Lots of log jams for the Pacers. And Eddie Garrison is going to join me to figure it all out today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, one of my favorite off-season shows, trying to build the Pacers rotation for the coming season, and this one was one of the hardest ones ever for me to do Pacers have lots of guys deserving of minutes and a lot of them play the same position. So figuring out who should play how much and where was a really difficult exercise. Thankfully, Eddie Garrison from the Pacers radio network, among a million other places, joined me to parse through it and assigning players, positional value, how much they should play at what spots with who, and how do the Pacers prioritize who should and shouldn't play? It was a complicated yet revealing exercise in the Pacers depth. Is going to be interesting to monitor this season. We get to all of it today. Let's just get right to it. This is the hardest year for me to do this exercise, building the Pacers rotation, minute allotment for every single player. In my head, it was easy to describe who goes where. When I typed it down, I was like, oh, man, someone is playing a lot less than I thought. And joining me to break it all down, a man who had a similar experience and told me that his first draft had 250 minutes for a 240-minute rotation. He's with the 1075 The Fan as a producer, the Pacers Radio Network as a producer, and the Colts Radio Network as a producer. It's Eddie Garrison. He's been here before. Eddie, it is super hot outside. How you doing? I'm doing uh, just fine, and I'm surprised you don't have like, some big, boomy intro. It's like Tony East, Locked On Pacers Podcast, the world's greatest media Rocket League player. <laughs> Yeah, I try to keep Rocket League out of podcasting. I tweet about it once a month, and I'm like, that's probably too much, isn't it? I don't know. You what is the what, what is the line of like sharing my hobbies? I know. <laughs> so you'll share yeah. clips every now and then. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I'm like this guy is legit. Yeah, I had a I had a hot minute where I could play a lot between NBA and W, but it's been a little more off recently. Yeah. But no one's here for that. People are here to hear us try to figure out. The Pacers rotation and Eddie, I put 10 players in the Pacers rotation this year and I had an easy time with about two of them. <laughs> all the rest. I was like, I don't know who it is. I don't know how many minutes it should be. The past history of this Pacers coaching staff in front office suggests this number should be different or that number should be different. It was tough outside of Tyrese Halbert and Miles Turner, which were very easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you look at it, the way I tried to do it first was like, all right, which players do I have playing every night? And then you look at it, you're like, well, you've got 10 players that can play if you went that route. But it's like you have anywhere from 12 to 14 guys on the roster that could play any given night. So it's like, how do you allot these minutes and who do you go with? So um, I'm interested to see who you have starting and in reserve and how you allot each of those minutes. Okay, this will be fun. Well, let's start at the easiest one, point guard. Tyree Talbert last year. 33.6 minutes per game. Uh, I actually think that that might be basically the same. I, For the sake of this exercise and to get everybody close to the minutes that I feel like their season could end up at, I actually put him at 32. I think it'll be a little higher than that, but uh, that one was easy. And then backup point guard, we'll have to have a spirited debate about. And the player I put in there also is going to be in another position. 
So for the other 16 minutes at point guard, I have Andrew Nemhard, backup one for the Pacers. Is that similar to what you did? That's exactly what I did. I had Tyrese at 32 minutes, and I had <laughs> Nemhard at 28. Yes. <laughs> at 28? Yeah. Well, that's why you got to 250 minutes, because that is um, more than 48 minutes between those two guys. But you have Nemhard's minutes spread across yep. other stuff, too. Yep. Yeah, I did it. I broke it out like this many minutes at this position, this many at this one, and oh, that – that, Point guard was the easiest one. <laughs> yeah, well, well I have to get to my logic behind some of that, too, because I have four guys at the two and three guys at the three, but it's like a mixture. Um, that one was the easiest to me, and I guess we could talk about this now or later, but to me, as good as McConnell was last year, right, adding the three ball, his most efficient season yet, Nemhard's good enough and young enough, and they have his restricted rights to like have him secured for a long time that – you have to explore him on the ball too. And I think they will put him in off ball situations because of his defense and like play next to Halbert went fine, but he's, he's like too good at a young age to just not play his natural position ever. And the weird thing about it too, is last year he played almost 28 minutes per game. Like he played a lot. So it's weird to think that the number would go down, but if he's only playing off the ball, like last year, it would go down quite a bit given their mm-hmm. offseason addition. So I almost feel like he has to play, some backup one, but then that means TJ McConnell, who just had a good year and fits their style very well, is just not playing at all because he's not very good off the ball. And I, that's like hard to say. Like I was, I was surprised that I didn't find any minutes for him, but I felt like that was the right answer. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the part that you didn't mention there that I included in the reason why I put Nimhart with so many minutes uh, is his defense and his ability to yep. guard the ball because that's where they have to improve. And Nimhart is your best defending guard. Well, maybe your second best behind Bruce Brown now. But uh, when I look at it that way, it's like, okay, they need to improve defensively. And that's where McConnell really, really struggles, especially when he's off the ball. Um, So that's why I went with Nimhart over McConnell, especially there. And why I've got Nimhart played 28 tonight. The, di- the difference between them, like, I don't think McConnell struggles a ton. He, Not a the, ton, no. The thing is, is he's my height, <laughs> and Andrew Nembard is 6'5", and that allows him to do what he did last year, which is guard ones, twos, and sometimes threes, and that is very important. Whereas McConnell, it's like maybe the shortest twos in the league, but other than that, mm-hmm. he's just guarding ones, and he's good at being the pest kind of guy. But, yeah, I think you're right to say that Nembard's defense is valuable. And, again, I think – this is like I wanted to get to this discussion really a lot later in this, but I guess we'll get to it now. It's like part of this exercise, too, and this is something the Pacers will have to decide is about their priorities between winning this year and winning long term. And like you can even go back to the year they signed TJ McConnell. Like, I don't think he played in the very first game he was with the Pacers. I'll, I'll check his game log right now because the backup one that year was a second year point guard that they drafted Aaron Holiday. And Nate mm-hmm. McMillan pulled the plug on that very quickly. But, you know, that was sort of the thought in, in 1920 was like, okay, the young guy's going to be the backup and TJ's not going to be in the rotation. Yeah, he played 13 minutes opening night and then was well over that, like basically every game the rest of the season. In fact, that opening night game was his fifth fewest minutes in a game the entire season. And then he immediately took Aaron Holiday's spot. But, you know, that, that balance of winning now with the vet or – winning a little less, but maybe not even because Nemhart's pretty good. And also thinking about your peak in the future is kind of baked into a couple decisions that we'll talk about. Even this one now with Nemhart McConnell. Yeah. I think especially if you go the route that we did with McConnell not playing, you would have to find somebody that would replace him as a leader on the floor 
So somebody yes. on that out of that group, either the, you know, the starting five or the reserves, hope it's Bruce Brown being the replacing McConnell in the leadership aspect, but you're going to need more leadership. I think out of Tyrese Halliburton this year, um, because if you're really not going to play McConnell, then you're got, you have to have one of your guards and preferably the guy that you just paid big, big, big dollars to start to become the vocal leader on the court. Um, and he's got to lead by it too with his play on both sides of the ball uh, of the floor. Yeah, if you're going to be a locker room guy who's talking and saying to do all this and that, and then you get in the game and you're not giving a ton of effort, like people aren't going to respect you as much. And that's something that McConnell's very good at, right? Like yeah. he'll talk and be a leader. And then when he's in there, that dude's going 110%. So if he isn't playing, someone will have to replace that. And so we're already at a tough part of building the Pacers rotation. And then we go to shooting guard. And funnily enough, so I have to, I have to talk about my thinking, Eddie, with these positions. So I put guys... Uh, the two and the three for the Pacers aren't that different, right? It's kind of like who you're guarding, but what you do on offense is pretty similar in terms of how they move around or when who they're in, involved in actions with or what they're doing. Like players who can play the two for the Pacers can play the three for the Pacers. This is kind of interchangeable. So the way I put guys at a certain spot was very unscientific, and it was basically like, what position do I think you'll guard the most often? And so if I think you'll guard mostly guards, I put you at the two. And if I think you'll spend more time guarding forwards, I put you at the three. And so in terms of the Pacers' actual starting lineup, my prediction is Matherin will be the two and guarding mm -hmm. the two. But where I think he'll actually get, he'll actually split his minutes between the two and the three. And I think Buddy Heald will get basically all of his minutes guarding twos. Again, this is very unscientific, but I have to explain how I got to the minutes I had. So my shooting guard minutes allotments, my 48 minutes at the two-guard spot, were 23 minutes for Buddy Heald, all off the bench, 13 minutes for Ben Matherin as a starter, uh, eight minutes for Andrew Nemhard to get his off-ball run in, and four minutes for Bruce Brown in some of their bigger lineups. Does that make sense? Is that way off from you? I can do my three as well if you want to hear how that balances out. What do you think of that? Um, that is very complicated in my brain. <laughs> Well, it's just—it's like hard to imagine who will be guarding that position the most. But I mean, I like Bruce Brown's got to be guarding wings almost for them, right? Because Neesmith's not going to play as much this year. Hey guys, one short little break here so I can talk to you, Manduel, and get ten times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to two hundred dollars. That's right, just bet twenty bucks and you'll earn two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. Sounds pretty good. That's two hundred dollars you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to get the first home run, and it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. That's fast. So there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't break it down as point guard, shooting guard, small forward. I broke sure. it down as guard, guard, wing, wing, center. Okay, that's, that's the way I, Yeah, that's the way I viewed it. So, I went with Matherin at 28 minutes a game. I mean, that can easily fluctuate up to 30. That can... You know, on a, get, in a, on a given night, it just depends on, A, how's he doing on the defensive side of the, on the floor? Because that is where he has to improve most. And is he making shots? Like, you can't have him just out there, you know, chucking up threes and going one for six every night or two for seven like he was last season. You need that number to improve into the, the mid to high 30% in the low 40s because 
if you're asking him to be the future guard next to Tyrese Halliburton, he has to make that second gear step uh, forward offensively and not just be a guy that's known for going to the basket and drawing fouls. Yeah, I think that the man, I, I have a whole show planned for him coming up this week because of that foul drawing skill. But I agree that his off ball skills have to improve yes. to, to grow his fit with Halliburton. And his defense is also critically important, which is interesting. Like he talked about. I haven't actually, I still haven't heard this interview. I've referenced it a ton on this show. He talked about starting on the wing with Stephen A. Smith on ESPN2. Sky Agnes wrote it all up hmm. in Fieldhouse Files. And so I think that's interesting, right? Has he been told that? Is that what he expects? He said that before free agency. How does Bruce Brown change all this? But, you know, if he's going to be playing the three, he's going to be guarding threes, right? So that, that defense is going to be really important for him. And he, if he's, he's got to be, you know, he was a great shooter to open the season. Like when he was having those 20, 30 point games all the time, he was drawing threes and, that slowly faded away and he finished like 32% fine, but definitely not good enough for mm -hmm. what they need him to be, especially if he's going to play a lot with Halliburton. And they also have other guards who can handle it like Bruce Brown, like Andrew Nemhard. So the off ball stuff is going to be really important for him. And it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of shakes out for his spot in the rotation, because there's a fantastic shooting off ball guard, but he healed right there. <laughs> also yeah. hunting for minutes. Yeah. Um, I went with 20 minutes for buddy. I mean, that's easily going to move too, but like, I look at the way last year ended, and he was around, what, 15 to 18. He was a, hardly ever used. I could see that number being between 20 and 23 just because you're paying him so much money to be your only shooter, really. Because outside of Tyrese, you don't have any consistent guys that have proven or inject, like, fear in the other starting five or the other reserves. So that's why I put Buddy at 20, but I could easily make the case that he could play more. Buddy was really hard. For me and I okay so so I, I, to get all these guards wrapped up at the three spot the you know the wing three spots I have a lot of overlap here I have Bruce Brown as the starter and playing 24 minutes so combined with the two minutes the two two guard minutes I have for him that's 28 total for him I have Matherin at 14 so combine that with his two guard minutes that's 27 and I have Aaron Neesmith at 10 because I think he should play and his defense is valuable but he's clearly the guy who will play the least of this bunch and so that was odd for me with Buddy looking at it. When I was done, I was like, 23 for healed feels a little low. And that's even higher than yours, and I felt like it was low. Like, last year, like, I knew this, but even you look at it, like, he played a lot. He played like, two minutes per game more than Miles Turner. He played 31 minutes a game. He's far and away their best shooter and will be again. He pairs very well with the team's best players. Like, he's good. And so in that way, you think, okay, if they want to be good, they should play him more. But who, who, do, you, who do you take minutes from to give it to him unless – the answer is the nine-man rotation, and he gets some or all of Neesmith's minutes. But then we get back to the discussion we just had about prioritizing this year versus the future, and can he actually guard threes? What is this? You know, and then Mather maybe could play a little more too. But like mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're really thinking about what your team is long term, and we'll learn a lot about how much they value Aaron Neesmith based on their two three minutes. I think because that seems like the easiest way to bump up any guy that I just said that you felt like was too low, but. I mean, ending up with 23 for Buddy felt low. Like, that's the third lowest I gave to anyone in the rotation, which I'll say at the end, which really surprised me, but I, I couldn't cut anyone else. I couldn't do it. I gave Neesmith 14. I'm a little higher on Neesmith because, I mean, you look at him last year, he was – you're asking him to defend your the best wing every single night, and I think he proved that he's capable. He's a capable defender, and I think especially the last month of the season, he really came on as a shooter and a scorer. I think he finally got comfortable there toward the end of the year. He improved offensively, and he brings some rebounding too. And, and we don't, I don't think that's something that's get talked about enough because everyone's like, they need to improve their defense, they need to improve their defense. So I was like, well, 
can't forget about rebounding either. And so I think that's part of the reason why I've got Neesmith at 14 minutes compared to what you have him at 10. 10. But can I can I talk about that? Like that's yeah. a fake, that's a fake number. And I know that. Like no one plays yeah. 10 minutes per game. I mean, it's not a thing. Like if you play your like even looking at the Pacers last year, like the guys in the rotation who played the least, like Brissett played 16 and a half. Isaiah Jackson played 16 and a half. Chris Duarte played 19 and a half. Like you, mm-hmm. 10 is not real. Like you don't, or do you get five minutes and a half? Like, yeah, it's, I guess it's possible, but it's, it's like, you can't be good. Like you're just, you're, you're getting your win for half that and you're feeling out the game. Like, it's just not, it's not a real, I know that putting it in, yeah. but I still had trouble like getting everybody else to a number I thought was reasonable. So I have him at a 10. I think your 14 number is more likely, but then I have to pull four minutes from other places, which is really challenging. Yeah, it's just interesting how these numbers get so skewed because, like, there could be a stretch this year where, like, Bruce Brown's out or Obi Toppin or Jairus Walker's out. Next thing you know, that inflates the minutes for Aaron Neesmith and all the other guys that we'll mention eventually as well. So that brings that number up. So it'll be interesting. And you just unintentionally nailed a segue for me because, funnily enough, the other way, if you love Aaron Neesmith and think he should play more, the other way to do it is play him at the four. Mm-hmm. But then you're taking away minutes from either their very recent lotto pick or Obi Toppin, who they just traded stuff for, which maybe that's the answer. But um, I don't I don't know what that would look like or what they're really prioritizing at that spot. Rick Carlisle did say, like, yeah, maybe Aaron plays some four this year out in Vegas. So we'll see if that actually does end up happening or not. Um Power forward is pretty easy for me, even though I didn't say this at the beginning. Uh, I just split it right down the middle. <laughs> Obi Toppin, 24 minutes is the starter. Jairus Walker, 24 minutes off the bench. One, The other one could start. One of them could play like slightly more than the other. But at this exact moment, I don't really know of any reason one would play significantly more than the other unless they really value the offense or defensive side of the ball. And I don't know who will or won't start. I don't really think it matters, but that's what I did. Half the game for each of them. Yep, exactly the same, but I went 23 <laughs> minutes. So I've got one less minute going to both guys. I I, I, this. I guess I didn't say. I had Bruce Brown playing 30. Okay, so you have him with some more forward minutes than me, yeah. which that makes sense. They just gave him a bunch of money. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he and does the thing that they need the most. Yeah, I, I, have him at 20, place. I have him at my third most minutes at 28, and I still was like, that feels low. Um, it's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah, the four spots is easy to like give out the minutes and like even if it's like twenty eight for Walker and twenty for Top and like whatever that'll fluctuate every night. Who do you who would you start? I would start Jarris Walker, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. I would probably start the season with Toppin, just to let Walker get acclimated and let him get comfortable, let him get similar to Matherin last year. Yep, get his sea yep. legs going a little bit, and then whenever Carlisle and the coaching staff feels ready, that. You can start Walker, then I would flip the two. Yeah, this is again the priorities thing. Like, if you're really thinking long term, you'd probably start Jarris if you want to be better. Maybe you start Obi, but I mean, mm-hmm. Jarris's defense might just be like, you got to play him right, right. So that one's that one is is straightforward to me. But the way that would be shaken up is Aaron Neesmith sliding up a little bit, and then if you move Neesmith up, you can bump up all the wings, wing guards ever so slightly with those minutes. Um, and that would help everybody but hurt one of the fours, whoever it is, that they take minutes away from. So we just did power forward, and we didn't say one Jordan Wara. And maybe we shouldn't say Jordan Wara, and I would get why he's maybe not a guy that everybody thinks about in this minutes allocation. But in the Pacers system last year, 
He started 11 times in his 24 games, played 25 minutes per game, averaged 13 points a game, and had 48-42-72 splits, was good on the glass, doubled his assist averages from Milwaukee. Like, he did really well for the Pacers. And yet I'm like, there's just, like, I can't even think he's young and good. I just can't even think of a reason to play him over those guys. And that that's really brutal for him. It just kind of sucks. But I don't know what else to do to get him time on the floor. How many, what was the trade package for him? What did they send? I can't remember. <laughs> Nothing. They sent Nothing. The, the draft rights to Juan Pablo Valle to the Nets and then got uh, him and George Hill and Serge Ibaka and three second rounders for nothing. Okay. So that that's the point I want to make here is like they didn't give up serious assets here. Not, yes. For correct. Aurora, so it's, they don't have to play him in that, in that sense. It's like you didn't really spend much of him to get him. It's like more of a flyer guy. You're like, hey, let's see what he looks like. Does he fit in? Can he be a part of the future? Uh, that's kind of like I don't have him playing either. I have him as a coach's decision DMP. Do you think he can play the three at all if needed? No. So he can't really guard like any position super well. So it's hard for me to say that yes or no. I would kind of lean that he's one more four. But if you think he can play the three and if you make if he makes 40% of his threes next year, great. You can play whatever position. Yeah. Then I feel like he, maybe he's not psyched about not getting minutes, but he he's one injury away from anybody, basically, from being the next guy in, right? Even if a two-guard gets hurt, everybody can move around the way we just described, then boom, he's playing back up three and he's in the rotation. So it might not like he could still play a decent amount, like guys get hurt all the time, but fully healthy. I I just I couldn't find a way to get him in. And and if I thought he could be much better defending threes, maybe it'd be easier to squint and go, eh, maybe he could squeak in some here, but I, I couldn't even do that. Yeah, that's the same my same thinking too, because like if you put him at the three, I think he's just gonna get everyone's gonna just dribble right past him because I don't think he'd have the foot speed to keep up with a three. And with a four, he can get depending on who the matchup is, like fours get out muscle him and just back him down if they got into the high post and wanted to back him down toward the basket. So that's just my reasoning for not feeling comfortable with the three. Yeah, he was better guarding Luca, ironically, than like other players because Luca's not very fast. <laughs> so, yeah. Like it exactly. wasn't great, but it's like, oh, okay, that's a fine option. I guess he's tall. Um, so he's a tough omission like McConnell to me where it's like they played well for the Pacers last year. There's just no minutes for them. Uh, and speaking of tough omissions, the center position, um, it's not tough for any one guy to not be the backup. It's just like, man, two guys who <laughs> they've are may either good or young and interesting or just not playing at all. I have Turner 32 like you. Who did you choose for your other uh, 16 to 18 minutes at backup center? Wait, you had Turner how much? Sorry, I had Turner at 30. 30. I am at 28. Okay, that was what he was at last year, so that makes sense. Yeah, I've got him at 28, and I've got Jackson at 14. Okay. Yeah, Who's do you have any other minutes at center? Uh, no. Okay. Well, um, I, just did, I just did a, like, center, center, backup. Yeah. So, yeah, I put Isaiah Jackson as my backup five. I no, don't this, know that. I don't know that that's going to be what happens. This comes uh, back down to the priority thing. Like, if you start Jackson, it's like, okay, well, you're still trying to see if he can develop into a backup center. Whereas, yep. like, you could play Tice, and you get the veteran who can help shoot a little bit better. He's going to help you probably make a little bit more winning plays defensively and offensively. Um, so, I guess. 
if you wanted to be like more of a win now approach, you could go with Tice. But also, I think you have to figure out what you've still got in Isaiah Jackson. Tice healed Neesmith Walker and Emhart is like a cool bench. <laughs> that's a that's like a good second unit. Yeah. Um, they they would need Buddy Healed to make like every three because there's not a lot of shooting with that group. But that's like a cool second unit. And Tice is definitely like he definitely showed how he can be good last year. But he wasn't. He was definitely better than the young guys. He was definitely better than Smith and Jackson, but not mm-hmm. so much so that I would I would pick him as the guy. Right? Like if the gap right. was way bigger, if the Pacers really wanted to take that step forward and make the playoffs this year, then yeah, you play Daniel Tice. But that gap wasn't so huge to me that I would choose him and i would then defer to the priorities of you know the development of the young guys see if either of them can stick right is there's a whole there's basically two and a half seasons of jalen smith not hitting threes and that half season he had with the Pacers where he couldn't miss from three can they get that three to go can isaiah jackson stop jumping at stuff and and stay down on d a little more can they develop him any way away from the basket like those things are important and if either one of them can shine, that's huge. I don't think they can do that dance anymore where they're doing one guy one game and a different guy the next. Mm-hmm. So they have to pick someone, but it's hard. They're, like There's a decent argument for any of those guys. We both pick Isaiah Jackson, but I can see them picking Jalen Smith. He's the best rebounder of the young center, certainly, and maybe the best shooter. Um, we'll see. But t- it's it's just tricky to, to figure out which one it should be. Yeah, I agree with you. It is extremely tricky. Um, I wanted to ask you something, but I just – oh, who's your sixth man? So who's coming off the bench first? So my starters were Hal Burton, Matherin, Brown. Uh, my starter would be Walker, but I get why it could be topping. And Miles Turner, my sixth man, first guy off the bench uh, would be Buddy Heald. Okay. And, and just bring him and Neymar at the same time. It doesn't matter. Like it's right. The, the, the defense, offense, yin yang. But yeah, that would be my starting five. I. It's weird that there's there's this problem with the Pacers, and um, this is not a bad thing necessarily, but like this the kind of the same thing happens with with Denver and some other teams that are like one player identity teams. It's like how many players on the Pacers would you say are way better when they play with Halliburton, right? Like it's more oh, than yeah. four, so but you can't play more than four guys with them at once. So it's like like Obi Toppin specifically, it's like he'll be way better playing with Tyrese than without him, and so that's maybe a good argument to start him, but like. There's a lot of guys who are better playing with him than with Adam. So figuring out the best ones to not have that because Buddy Heald's like that as well, uh, certainly. Uh, so figuring that all out is kind of a tricky part of of this balance too. Um, but that is the the starters plus six man I have. Do you have your full minutes for each player in front of you? Because I'm going to read mine before you. Yes, do. I do. Okay, mine is ha- my final 240 minute allocation: Tyrese Halliburton 32, Miles Turner 30, Bruce Brown 28. Ben Matherin, 27. I had to cut one minute from one position to get some of this, so that's 27. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Jarris Walker, 24. Obi Toppin, 24. Andrew Nemhard, 24. Buddy Heald, 23. Isaiah Jackson, 18. Aaron Neesmith, 10. So you want me to go by minute and not by like, yes. order of reserves? Okay. Yes. All right, so I've got Tyrese at 32. Okay. Mather, uh, Bruce Brown at 30. Okay. Benedict Matherin at 28. Miles Turner at 28. Andrew Nimhart at 28, Obi Toppin and Jarris Walker both at 23, Buddy Heald at 20, Aaron Neesmith and Isaiah Jackson at 14. We have the same 10. The question is how much and how do the Pacers put it all into place and what's their starting five and will it change and will they experiment at all, right? Jalen Smith started last year. I did not predict that when I did the rotation. Episode. Well, I, they, I guess they did tell us that. I predicted that, but I um, did not have him starting as many minutes at the four as he did and that 
was not the right decision and they pulled the plug on that correctly. So there's still some tweaking to come. So we've talked about the four big high, a little bit about the four big highlights I wanted to talk about from the rotation. And that, that was the big one. The first, first one to me that I typed is, you know, if you're looking to make changes, like if you're someone listening to this, I can hear them in their head going, no Jordan Wara and no TJ McConnell. Like that kind of seems shocking given their seasons. And we already talked about why it's just when you type it out, it's like, who do you cut out instead? And I can't make the argument for anyone to come out for either of those guys. I just can't do it. And you can't have Tyrese not playing more than 30 minutes a game either. Oh, no. If anything, I'd boost him up. (laughs) Right. Like, if I could find a way to play him 35 minutes a night, I probably would. Right. It'll be fun if they have a good year. I haven't gotten to do this in a few years. To be able to do the third segment about the playoff rotation, (laughs) I haven't had a chance to do that in a few years. Because, I mean, to me, with the minutes I have, like, I'd – like Eric Neesmith would not be in the playoff rotation probably at all. I don't know. It depends who they're playing. Um, yeah. Their backup center play a lot less, certainly. Like, that'd be a lot harder. Um, okay, the other thing I thought was noteworthy to discuss from this is, and I brought this up too, if you want more of a particular guard wing type that we've said, right? If you think my number for Buddy Heald at 23 or years at 20 is too low, then you have to cut someone else's, right? You got to decrease Nemhards or Matherins or Browns, and that's also hard to do. Uh, or your other option is you don't play Aaron Neesmith, and they're not playing Neesmith and McConnell, which would be crazy to me, but possible, I suppose. So, like, it's hard to get all those guys' minutes, and I only say that to say that's the reason why I talk about that logjam so much and why when people speculate about the Pacers offseason still, the names you hear for trades are typically guys on the wing because it's really hard to get them all in in a way that makes a ton of sense. Like, it's possible, but someone's going to be playing less than maybe the perception of them should be. And yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you this is like, it's certainly going to fluctuate game to game. And opponent. percent, you know, Rick, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Cause I mean, like you're not going to play the same five against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers as you will against the golden state warriors. Like just because yeah. there's no size in Golden state and there's size galore in Cleveland outside of the two guards. So can I get, we, we, we discussed one thing that I, I thought of as a change. I want to talk about a ripple effect from it. One way to get all the wings more minutes that I already mentioned is Neesmith at the four mm-hmm. a little bit. What if there was a way, Eddie, to get Neesmith at the four and still have Obi and Jarris Walker play as much as I said? What if, do you think that we'll see any of this at all this season? Jarris Walker, small ball center. Do you think we get a single minute of that this year? Yes. I was actually, I was thinking about this earlier when we were talking about it. It's like, if you're going up against a smaller team, I, I suppose you can throw probably Walker out there as a center. He's long enough and he's built and he's strong enough. Like, I don't see why there's a reason why you couldn't. Like, if you're going against, like, Brooklyn, for example, I don't think Nick Claxton is really going to scare you at all by putting Obi on it. Or not Obi, but Jarris Walker on him at all. I mean, Jarris could handle his own there and be able to rebound still and block shots and do whatever. And, like, that may even be more helpful to them if you move him to a five because then he can just, like, linger around the rim and – be a nice help side defender. If you can, if he can guard fives, he can play the five. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. kind of what I've said about every position. And I don't know, like as a rookie, especially like he'll probably get his butt kicked by the same centers here. Now your Sabonis's, whatever in year one that you're not used to the post moves of the strength, like Valanciunas, all those guys. But like if he can guard fives or guard pick and rolls, like <laughs> it's not crazy to me that they would do that. But then they have three backup centers <laughs> who aren't playing, so it's like. <laughs> Maybe that's a next year kind of project, but that is another way. If you feel like the numbers that I just said for 
you know, healed Brown, Mather, and whoever too low is okay. Neesmith plays some four, and then Walker actually plays some five, which is crazy. But um, that is a big part of it. And and I think what other people will talk about too is like, who's the backup five? Who does everybody else pick? I don't think everybody's going to pick Isaiah Jackson. I think that's part of it too. But if Jarvis Walker's in the mix, you're not picking any of them. Um, the last takeaway I had from this is it's kind of crazy how many guys on this team can play like two or three positions. And that made it mm-hmm. easier to get everybody the minutes that were at least mostly fair, even though it wasn't exactly clear exactly what standard position, even though it's not like a thing anymore, it should actually be. Yeah. I mean, even like with like all, all NBA stuff, it's going positionless now, which I think is great. Yep. By the way. But I think the flexibility is such a big part of today's NBA and you have to have, flexible players just because of all the picking and switching that goes on defensively and offensively. You need guys to be able to defend one through five or two through four. Um, one through five would be amazing, by the way, but you need guys that can defend. Okay, more. okay, hold on, hold on. That's not a thing. Like, <laughs> no one, maybe Draymond, like no one can actually do that in the yeah. NBA. That always maybe, happens in the pre-draft process. Actually, like one day, one day he can guard one through five. I'm like, no, he can't. No one can. It's not a thing. I'd make the argument for OG. Oh, he, he, he's close to. He's got the stock and the speed, yes. Yeah, but, like, you need those guys that are, you know, versatile both sides of the floor because yeah. that's just how today's NBA is. It's guards and wings and the occasional center. I mean, you rattled off all the dominant centers right now in NBA, so it's, like, it's a very it's a very tedious kind of thing to do, but it's also a very, very helpful thing to have. My final thought here that I would bring up is how much do you think like someone really popping at the two, three will matter long-term? Like they're not going to change their system at all, obviously, but like if Bruce Brown's amazing, is that bad news for Buddy Heald? Or if Heald's amazing, is that bad news for Bruce Brown? Or if Matherin does not take a step forward, you know, you get what I'm asking. Like that, those two, those positions being so clogged up, I think is interesting, especially because, there's only one rostered player whose name we haven't said this whole time, Eddie. And I don't think there's any chance he plays much this year, but like Ben Shepard's on the team. <laughs> like presumably at some point he will be a guy who's worthy of consideration for the rotation. Like how those guys kind of shine in those two, three settings, I think it's going to matter with him in the fold and with, you know, kind of a lot of flux at that position. How would you find a way to get Ben Shepard on the floor if you had to? Like I wouldn't get him on the floor. At all? If I at had all? to? Oh my gosh. Like at all, you wouldn't put him on the floor at all. all How can they? I guess How that's true. They? Well, it's nothing wins. against him specifically. It's just like I don't well, know. How you, I, uh, come on now. <laughs> I just don't know how you can do it. It's just not. Yeah. Not really possible. I don't know. Hang on. Let me. Who was the twenty sixth pick last year? Let's use them as our example. Okay. It's going to be someone awesome. <laughs> it's going to to- that totally ruins my uh, my exercise. The twenty twenty two NBA draft twenty sixth pick was okay. Perfect. Wendell Moore Jr. Do you remember anything about what he did for the Minnesota Timberwolves last year? Nope. Great. He played 29 minutes. He played 5.3 minutes a game. He played 153 total minutes last year. That's probably a little low, honestly. But, um, you know, Shepard will get some minutes if there's injuries or garbage time or something like that. Like, the 26th pick is not supposed to be like an instant get out there and make it happen. The year before the 26th pick was Bones Highland, who played a lot, but has already been traded. Um the year before that, the 26th pick was Peyton Pritchard, who is on and off with minutes uh, in his career. So you get the gist. That player is not somebody who typically plays very much. Dylan Windler, who just got a two-way indie legend, the 26th pick before that. So uh, I can't even find a way to get Shepard minutes. If I had like a 
a, a demand from if I'm head coach and I got a <laughs> demand from someone above me to play Ben Shepard, I guess I'd just give him my Aaron Neesmith alignment, but that doesn't feel right. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So that's everybody. That is a it's a shockingly hard exercise. Like it felt so natural in my head, like, yeah, these guys are the wings and guards, and this is the forwards and the centers and I did it and I'm like man someone's not playing as much as it seems like this should we'll learn a lot about this team and and I should say it's also July 26th <laughs> it yes. is possible that this this changes before the season I suppose unlike hopefully not because of injury <laughs> yeah that by the way I wanted to ask you this did um did Matherin look a little bigger in terms of like strength to you I know he'd been doing a lot of work in the weight room when you saw him out okay. suddenly I couldn't tell I this this is a knock on myself as observant journalist, man. I have very rarely ever noticed that ever for any player. Hmm. Like even when they're like, yeah, I gained 20 pounds of muscle this summer. I'm like, you did? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never say that, but I was just like, I don't, I don't really notice that stuff that much. The only time I ever actually noticed it was that summer miles got cut. Oh I yeah. Noticed, I noticed when he got really slim um, a little bit with Sabonis getting skinnier but then he got bigger again like right away in the season so no i don't ever i didn't notice that with him and i but i don't really notice that with anybody ever all right fair fair i think i the other guy i would have noticed it with is depot but he wasn't on the pacers the year before he got shredded so i didn't see obviously you put the before and after pictures out too (laughs) that's cheating it doesn't count yeah like 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 the the guy i'm talking about like ijax last summer was like yeah i gained a bunch of weight i'm ready to guard fives and I believe him like he could step on a scale. He's not lying to me, but I looked at him. I'm like, I don't <laughs> he look the same to me. So I don't I did not notice Ben looking any different. Yeah, he was also pretty, pretty thin as a rookie. Yeah, yeah. Ty, Ty has told us he's in the one mid to 190s now. He's trying to gain muscle like, nope, <laughs> it looks the same. <laughs> I thought he someone looked a little bigger. And I don't know if that's because of the last couple of weeks or if that's because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he's saying that at the pro I don't know. Uh, I don't necessarily think Tyrese Talbert's in, uh, in game shape right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's everybody. Um, last year from what, what day is today? July 26th onward. So I'm going back to the Pacers transactional like a dork. Um, the next move they made was August 18th. They signed David Dostervitas. Then the next move they made was September 15th when they signed James Johnson. So if there are any big changes that might mess with our rotation. We might not find out for a while. The NBA is hibernating for a little tiny bit. Eddie, thank you for the time. This was a great show, and I hope got the message across, one, that the Pacers are a deep team, but two, it's going to be pretty hard for them to give out the minutes everybody requires. I agree. Thanks for having me, and I'm just glad uh, to get a little a little break from talking about the Colts and running back and, yeah, all that <laughs> stuff. I don't – I don't – um, I don't really get the franchise tag because I don't know it, what it is. Like, I kind of mm. get it. It's like that. Is it the average salary of every player at your position for one year? You're, I would have to do more research on it. <laughs> I just know it's usually – there's a percentage increase. I don't know. It's hard <laughs> to explain. I was trying to read because I like salary cap stuff. So I was like, oh, I want to read about this. But I don't know what the franchise tag is. So I was very confused. I I was also confused. That- Stop me if I said something wrong. Everybody listening for Pacer stuff, I'm sorry. So Saquon Barkley's franchise tag was ten point three million, and he didn't want that. But then he signed for a eleven. Like, is that point seven difference really significant to well, him? It was, it was ten point one, 
Um, oh, so it was two million higher. Or no, not 0.9 million higher. Sorry. Yeah, it was okay. 10.1 million on the tag, and he renegotiated to get 990,000 more. Basically, yeah, like that confused me. I don't know. Is that dumb? Uh, no, because here's how uh, here's how you can look at it. Like, so a player can get tagged twice. Like, and after the second time, you have to be signed to an extension or signed, and then you become a free agent. So next year, Saquon would get a twenty percent raise on what he's got now. So he'd be making what? Uh, what is like that? Like thirteen point two or something. Something around that range. So he would have like twenty four million dollars over the last two seasons, which would be like the third highest in the NFL. So I think that's part of the play, like because you obviously you have to look at the future too. So. Um, if you're Saquon, that's probably why you're doing it. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I I didn't get it. it. It's very interesting to me. Um, <laughs> Locked on Colts exists. If you guys want to uh, hear Jake Arthur and Zach Hicks talk about this, I don't. Yes. About didn't this. you have a crossover pod one time? Yeah, we talked. Um, we talked about how the teams are covered, which was pretty fun. You know, the the slight differences in any there. I like those guys to do a great job. I just don't know anything about football. It's really embarrassing. Someone asked me this offseason. I want to say who they said, hey, will you come on our Colts show and talk about which five Colts players you think would be the best basketball players? And I replied and I said, I will, but I have to tell you, I think I only know five Colts players. <laughs> so I don't know how, how good I would be for that exercise. Now, how many, now, who are they? What five do you know? Okay, okay. Anthony Richardson. I'm psyched to watch him, so I know who he is. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Quinn Richardson. Um, oh, wait, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Richardson played basketball. Um, not Darius Shaq Leonard. That's four. Um, let's see. Do they have Molly Cox still? Yes. Okay, he would have been my basketball pick for obvious reasons. I only know who he is because he played college basketball. Um, Alec Pierce is on my dynasty team, so that's cheating. Because I don't know anything yeah, about him. As a football player. You do fantasy football, but you—that makes me better at fantasy football because it's just numbers on a page instead of actually knowing who these guys are. Interesting. So, so I think that I think that, oh, I know Michael Pittman. I think that's everybody. I think that's everybody. Yeah. So you rattled about eight, seven, eight, seven or eight. Yeah, it's one I thought I'd get actually. Oh, by the way, the franchise tag is the average of the top five salaries of the player's position for the current year or 120% better than the previous year. Interesting. That's that's, that's like their version of restricted free agency. Basically. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Huh. And it's two, it's, that's actually not a hmm, interested. I'd have to really dig into it to have opinions. Yeah. The position part of that is fascinating to me. Yeah. It's 120% from what that player was making the previous year. Okay. Not huh. I dig that actually. It's a cool idea. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I, think I need to. I need to get my Colts knowledge up. It's not. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> I should know more than seven guys. I don't. I think I was talking to Kevin Bowen like years ago, and he was talking about Andre Johnson. I. I like didn't even know he was on the Colts. I thought he was still on the Texans. Well, that's yeah, a good bad. place to go. You can go to Kevin's corner to get all your Colts fans. <laughs> in my dynasty league, is this one I should know? Someone offered me a trade with Zay Flowers in it, but they typed it to me. It wasn't sent in the league. And I was like, who is that? <laughs> I don't know who that is, but he was like, apparently just a first round. I'm embarrassing myself, but I, I need to know this stuff to play fantasy football better. He just got drafted by Baltimore. He's, he'll be good. Oh, that team is a pro. Whatever. Yeah. Don't care. He'll be good. It'll just take some time. 
I hope everybody enjoyed this uh, four minutes of Tony's fantasy football corner. I won the first year of the Dynasty League, which is basically just a redraft league because it was the first year. So yeah. I'm playing with house money for the next eight years of the league still, but my team is very bad. <laughs> have you finished second yet or since? Have I what? Have you, what's your best finish since that first place? <laughs> well, I, I won the first year with a lot of good health, and I had Kamara and DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, and okay. they've both been way worse since. So uh, I think I got like I the last team to make the playoffs two years ago, and then I got dead last last year. And Ooh. I traded the Bijan Rob Bijan Bijan Robinson Bijan. pick uh, for some other stuff. So some other stuff. New look team. CD Lamb and uh, some picks. Feeling Ooh, good. I would have done that as well. I, I Thank love you. CD Thank Lamb. You. Yeah, I do too. And I can make my team name uh, funnier with CD on my team. So. Anyway, I won't do any more fantasy football. Nothing much like it. I'll do one football segment in August. That'll be my my quota while the Colts are dominating the Indian news cycle. Eddie, thank you for the time, of course. Where can people follow you on on X? I don't get to say Twitter anymore. I get to make the X. Well, not everybody watches. You can point at it, but not everybody. I know. On the screen, you can see it. It's at Eddie Garrison underscore on Twitter slash X. Nah, nah. It's not Twitter. No such thing. (laughs) I had to change the little logo on my graphic page. The bird is no more. Uh, Are you on threads? No. Will you make it? I ideally would like to use social media less often. So. I suppose at some point my job will require that I switch social medias, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I am not on Threads or Blue Sky or Facebook or Instagram. You still on MySpace? I never had a MySpace. Me either. Anyway, thanks for letting me hop on. <laughs> we have gone off the rails. Um, if you think I said something stupid about the Pacers rotation, I'm on X, Twitter, whatever at Tony R East, or just leave a comment down below on YouTube. Back tomorrow, talking about Benedict Matherin. I just had a very fun conversation about him on the internet sphere as i dump on social media uh i enjoyed a conversation i had about him recently on there so lots to get to on him and his upcoming season and then next week we really pivot out of the off season because august is upon us thank y'all for listening have a great day see you soon